0: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show, right here on 93.3. Real talk radio and war chant TV on Live Asians. Friday, loosey-goosey. Playoff edition of the Jeff Cameron Show. Loosey-goosey, it's good to be with you. On Twitter, it's at Show. I'm Jeff, that is Tom. All right, here we go. Finally, it's here. This week has been interminable. What the hell? I kept it. Well, you know what it is? It's just the anticipation. It's the, you know, listen, we had some some pluses this week, some real pluses. Great game against Miami. Knocked them off. Important basketball game coming up uh, for Florida State against Syracuse. But uh, there is that result. Of course, the transfer portal stuff continued to be a a, a boon for Florida State. (laughs) (laughs) Your portal's been shaky lately. That's a good one. You used to put more vigor in the portal. I think you've gotten a little soft in the portal. You, it was used to be... Um a lot more sort of there was a lot there was a lot going on now it's kind of wow <laughs> wow that's a, that's a get, get you some portal right there there you go alright we gotta move that stupid mic out of the way it's gonna bother me when it's in my line of yeah, sight it's I'll off
1: get, camera I'll, I'll get, grab I'll get it, it. I'll
0: get it during the break but anyhow
1: <laughs> you're in a solo shot we're covered
0: it's fine no don't worry about that I just, it's, it's gonna eat at me I like to have a line of communication with my man over there that's how that has to work anyhow <laughs> <laughs> so, I would I would tell you, so, you know, we, we we hit that. We continue to get excited about that. So, every day there's good news on that front. There continues to be, anyhow. Um, but, you know, beyond comments th- this week that uh, if you read Corey Clark's story, WarChant.com, Mackenzie Milton talking about the NIL and opt-outs and all that stuff, that's good, but you could just feel like we're on fumes with college football. It's over. It's over. There's always that last little smattering of news where you go, oh, God, I'm still holding on, and then you're like, that's it, that's it. Okay, it's, it's, it's time to hibernate.
1: There is a dormancy period coming yeah, it's, here, oh, that's I, a word.
0: It's not coming. It's happened.
1: Well, Ira and I did a video this morning on a story that he has on the front page of warchain.com about NIL legislation and how it can help the state of Florida catch back up.
0: Yeah, we knew that was coming.
1: Yeah, and uh, we did a video talking about how we got here and, and what would it look like after the legislation is passed. But, I mean, that, yeah, that ain't exactly, you know, breaking down why our too deep on the defensive line is going to struggle this year without Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson. Kind of a different conversation, but still very important for the health of the football program and all athletics at FSU.
0: The law, if passed, goes into effect July. The first Florida's legislative session is slated to end on March the 11th. Those are the dates you need to know. Go read the story. Uh, I, I... Talked about this. Uh, Iris has written more in depthly about it, and the, plus, there's the video. But we talked about this at the end of the year when this was uh, omnipresent. The conversation was, "What the hell, man? Why are there different laws in different states? Why are some able to do more and us do less?"
1: Yeah, the basic part of it is, it sucks because Florida was the trailblazer. Yeah. For this particular project, yes. and it was the the leader that led the NCAA to say, "You guys figure it out." in a way, we handcuffed ourselves by being first. the first to do it. Yeah. But if we didn't do it, would it have ever happened? It's the chicken and the egg. Florida may have been both.
0: So obviously we know our current governor was a major proponent of college athletes in the state being able to earn money and was at the forefront of talking about that. I agreed with him on that. Uh, we we all did, and uh, or a lot of us did anyhow, and we were excited about being at the forefront with that. Uh, and then you realize that maybe – was, wasn't advantageous to be first so uh, we're, we're look the bottom line is we keep coming back to something here on the regular which is that it's fine for players to be able to benefit from name image likeness we just need the rules to be uniform we we need a there to be rules and b there has to be uniformity and that's all we wanted. I really didn't. All the other stuff we can debate about what's right, what isn't, how much is too much or too little, whatever you want to argue about. The point was we just needed the rules to be the same in each state. Well, and
1: given that, and this is this is more just a factual statement than it is a political commentary, but given that this state is largely conco- uh, controlled by Republican interests in the legislation at the governor's office, you are, as a Republican in general, you don't like regulations as much. You would rather have your hands not tied down fewer regulations so you can do what you need to do in order to get where you need to go. So what's interesting about that is the legislation actually had a regulation that they thought would be common sense. That you don't <laughs> want the schools getting tied into this because that wow, that's a really dicey deal, especially when it comes to the NCAA. Yeah. They didn't anticipate, no one could have, that the NCAA just said the hell with it. You guys figure it out. Yeah. So we put a regulation on ourselves. That
0: forbade college representatives we from being part of the NIL, that, NIL process. Yes, that we okay. thought would
1: be the bare minimum of what was necessary, but instead we over-regulated ourselves because college football said, eh, it's the Wild West, you all figure it out.
0: Well, also, yeah, what's funny about that is, of course, the NCAA lost in court, and then that was the end of that. It was kind of like, <laughs> well, uh, you have you never really did have real legal power, but now you have no power. These leagues have just said, hey, guess what? We're going to do it anyhow. What do you think of them apples? And I'll tell you what else we're going to do. We're going to take Texas and Oklahoma, too. And then you know what else we're going to do? <laughs> yeah.
1: And what sucks about it is the NCAA, much like for its uh, drug testing policy, says...
0: Figure it out yourself, uh, well, you it, just have to adhere to whatever yours is.
1: Exactly, which is where the legislation held us down. And for one recruiting class, here's the brass tax part of it, for yeah. one recruiting class, we were at a disadvantage. Hopefully, if this passes by the end of session then everything's hunky-dory, and and we will be at least on a level playing field in that aspect. Now, you want to talk about the actual dollars and cents for the other schools, we're not on a level playing field, but at least the university can streamline the process and maybe have some corporate sponsors redirect money towards an NIL fund rather than having to do this thing that, oh, we can't tell you, wink, wink, they're over there. This isn't
0: loosey-goosey at all, Tom. We have not begun libations Friday With even one iota of loosey-goosey talk. Well, college football is as loosey-goosey as it's been in a long time. In terms of what is allowed, not allowed, what's going on, what isn't going on. Yes, I agree, but not the Jeff Cameron Show. We are are coming in swinging serious. This is a laid-back, let's-talk-about-the-playoffs edition of the Jeff Cameron Show. Let's... Let's make some money. Let's celebrate that line that T. Lizzie gave out last night. Lightning minus a goal and a half. Cover four to two. gets you some. All right, Big Daddy. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> celebrate. it. done it again. Yeah. <laughs> so there will be some of that today. The As the clock ticks, I begin to believe that the Bengals are going to blow the Raiders out.
1: Oh, that's uh, Joe Burrow talking to you. No, no. Hello, Jeff. It's me again. Oh,
0: I love you, Joe. You don't have to woo me. I'm telling you, though, I'm beginning to think, what an exhausting run for Las Vegas. Well done, sirs. Way to overcome, and I mean overcome, a lot. Some tragedy mixed with buffoonery, mixed with controversy. A-holery. Mixed with some... We'll pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, God dog it, and make this thing happen. They did. I admire that. I do admire that team. I really do.
1: They're the bootstraps. That's their new name.
0: I do admire them, man. That's crazy what they did. That is, I mean, remember, it kind of, I think the first time that you raised the eyebrow and went, well, what is going on here is when they went on the road and beat the Colts and came back to do like, well, this is okay.
1: Yeah, because the Colts were the hottest team in football until
0: they weren't. And then they weren't. And now they're basically telling you they're moving on from Carson Wentz, which I would too. My God, late this year, that was not no, 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 not good. A lot of frustration. I I was, that team, they still have to be sitting home going, how in the hell, winning you're in against Jacksonville and you get blown out? That is not what we do. But I'm also of the mindset that's, that's not what you do. No, it's not. I'm also of the mindset that Saturday night's kind of going to be fun. Like, that Patriots-Bills games feel feels like a, like a, a slobber knocker. It feels like a, a, a game in which uh, it's a battle of, 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 of souls. Like, people are going to get hard, hit hard in the freezing cold frequently, and I think Josh Allen's going to run. A lot of running. My man is going to have to buck up, which he can. That's a big boy. Not afraid of running. I gotta get
1: a clip of Jim Ross saying "slobberknocker" because that's two. The count today is two on the word "slobberknocker."
0: All right, Gregory. I know you want those Raiders to win, but I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, But I'm 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 excited about that game. I'm excited about all these games. This is uh, this is the day. Wasn't it this day last year? This is the. I mean, the Wild Card Weekend. We were like, "Golly, this never." I this never ends. I was exhausted with the extra game. We ended up being exhausted.
1: Yeah, we actually played a round of golf the morning of the Saturday games of the Wild Card Weekend at Cap, Cap City with our friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we sat down, the score in Buffalo was stunning at the time. I think it was because the Bills were losing. I forget. We sat down for lunch at the lovely dining room inside the veranda uh, <laughs> at Capital City Country Club, and uh, yeah. That started the whole chain of events. Sometimes wildcard weekends terrible. Sometimes it is. The division weekend always delivers. Sometimes wildcard weekend is legendary. This one, I don't know. It looks like maybe two or three of the games could be really good, and then there'd probably be you know some stinkers.
0: Well, if you're playing the odds, there are stinkers uh, that are going to take place. That usually happens, but I don't know, man. I, I, th- we've been very fortunate. There have been. Weekend after weekend after weekend, we've gotten two or three remarkable games. And I just feel like the playoffs are going to provide a lot of that again. I, I think there's enough parity here that it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and I, and I'm at this point, uh, I'm looking at that Bengals team to get the cover. That was the first one I came out with. And then I, I went from there, and I thought a lot about this Bills game. I like the Bills, but I'm going to stay away from the uh, four, and I'm just going to take them on the money line. Yeah. I'm just going to take them on the money line. Right,
1: straight to win. Or do you like the Patriots with the 10.5 insurance?
0: If you did it, I would do that. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't
1: feel like the the Bills are going to win this thing by 11 or more, does it? It
0: just doesn't doesn't feel like a game I want to mess with. It just doesn't feel like a game I want to mess with at all. I'm having a tough – I like the Bills to win the game. That's all I know. I like the Bills to win the game.
1: 17 to 10.
0: Well, I'm going to leave it alone. Well, if you're going to say that, then you go ahead and jump on that under. I will also say that I like I think the only thing I'm certain of and I really I really hope I'm wrong uh I'm certain that the Rams are going to beat the Cardinals.
1: So even if Stafford threw three interceptions uh, he's not going to throw three interceptions. They would still win. You think they still Well,
0: win? I don't know about that. I mean, I, I obviously a prediction like that, I'm not anticipating my man coming out here and throwing three picks. That, that would that it would maybe could, alter the game. It
1: could happen. It <laughs> It's not unlikely.
0: I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, The Cardinals, outside of the Dallas game, have really just not played well. And we went through those games yesterday, and we talked about w- preceding that game, and even after, they just have not played well. You give up 38 points to a listless Seattle team, I don't know.
1: They were looking ahead. They didn't care. They didn't <laughs> care to be there. The motivations weren't there.
0: You may very well be right. You may be right. Uh FSU Syracuse, 3 o'clock tomorrow in the midst of all of this at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. What a dump. Televised on ESPN. It is. The Carrier Dome is a dump. Syracuse leads the all-time series. You know what the uh, what the numbers are?
1: 19 to 10.
0: 8 and 5. We really okay. haven't played that much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're 5 and 4, Syracuse is, since joining the ACC. So we got a chance to even it up as ACC members. Come on now. Three and two versus Syracuse at the TLC double C is what we are. We're just one and three in the carrier dome where they say the sight lines are awful. And you couple that with that funky zone, matchup zone they play, and there's just it's a struggle bus to shoot.
1: Well, that's like anything, you know, with a Final Four matchup. You play in a dome, you know, it's usually reserved for football. It's weird. It's awkward. Uh, I remember the first college basketball game I ever went to was Georgetown against somebody playing at the Thunderdome, the trop. My uncle was down because they were playing in some kind of preseason tournament or I don't know what.
0: I remember this.
1: Yes. Yeah, I, I was there. Do. I were re- you I remember
0: this. I think I was there. Yeah. I think so, yeah, Since yes. my uncle
1: was the AD, we had seats, and um, I remember I was maybe three or four. I mean, this was early, early 90s, and uh, I just remember we have photos of it. Oh,
0: disgusting. It's like, what are you yeah. even there for? No,
1: it's not good. To watch ants
0: play? <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem. Like in some of the venues, when you go to a Final Four, you got people out in the raft. I'm like, what are we doing here? No, that's not basketball, man. That's not intimate. You need to be up close and personal and see that athleticism and uh, you know elite teams like that. You want to be you don't want to be looking at the jumbotron. That's but that's
1: where Jerry's world would be okay. You want to be in the building, part of the festivities. Of course, you'd want better seats, but at least you have a really good TV and you could watch the court if you want to. But I mean, that's got to be a cool atmosphere to take in a Final Four atmosphere. Never been to one.
0: I, uh, I've got to tell you, we've been able to check a lot of boxes and say, you know, Stanley Cup Finals, Super Bowl, World Series, countless national championship games. I've done all those things. I have not done a Final Four. Like,
1: this is the year.
0: Well, This we, team's taking no, us there. No, what makes me mad is we would have. If if we had not got robbed by the COVID year, I think that was the team that was going that to the was, final four.
1: Yeah, you were going to win in Tampa and be in the Sweet Sixteen. Then yeah. it was a matter you would you win the, the one Sweet Sixteen game. Absolutely, the Elite Eight. That's it. That's what you don't know. It's yeah. The only hurdle.
0: You know, by the way, the last time we played Syracuse, Caleb Mills had 16 points. Um, Malik Osborne, by the way, was a double-digit scorer in that game as well. What a weird year for Caleb Mills, man. He is feast or famine. It is a roller coaster. FSU since losing the game to Syracuse at 3-1 in ACC play. Uh, we won at NC State. That was important. Uh, we won at home, obviously, against Louisville because that's what the hell we do. And we beat Miami. Uh, now, we did have, sandwiched in there, uh, a thorough ass-beaten at the hands of Wake Forest, in which we lost by 22. Now, Syracuse, since winning the game here at the TLC double C of all things, has done the opposite. They have gone 1 and 3 in the ACC with close losses to Virginia in what counts as a wild shootout between these two, 74 to 69. Whoa. They lost at Miami in what was a great game, and I watched it, 88 87. Did you watch any of that? It was a great game. No. Well, you should have. And then they lost in overtime at Wake Forest 77-74. So some tough luck losses in there against two good teams. That's a toughie.
1: I'm setting the over under for Caleb Mills at twenty one and a half points, and well, that's the threshold to win. He needs to go over the twenty one and a half.
0: Well, you think so? Or yes. could it just be the Matthew Cleveland show?
1: No. Caleb's gotta be a part of this thing. We gotta shoot our way out of that zone. Well, you're not gonna they're not gonna break the zone and stop playing zone, but you gotta shoot over the zone and We need Caleb Mills to be a big part of that. I don't know that Cleveland's going to go four for six from three. If he
0: does, then I'm sorry. I'll eat my words. He's been hitting some big threes lately, Tom. Followed by a single win over Syracuse, that is, over Pitt at home this past Tuesday. They split four non-conference games. I'm giving you the vibe. What is Syracuse doing as they get set to host Florida State? Well, I'll tell you what they're doing. They're not winning games like we are. So this is good. we got opposite directions going here. Let's keep that rolling. Buddy Beheim is still on that team, and you know, if you recall, I was not at this game. I did not go to the Syracuse-Florida State game. I was out of town, and uh, all I did was listen to the collapse and call you and say, what the hell's going on? And you said, well, they fell to pieces in the second half. They blew a big lead. They yeah, just couldn't, there for it, couldn't yeah. score. But here's why I bring it up. Uh, I hate watching Syracuse play, and I really hate watching Buddy Beheim. And I had hoped that after nine years of starting for Syracuse, he had moved on, but he has not moved on. In fact, not only is he not moved on, he's really having a fantastic season. And there's
1: another Beheim on the team. Jimmy Bayheim. Yeah. Yeah. College basketball will be will be better when the Bayheims are out of
0: it. Good Christ. Wouldn't we all agree? Although we gotta give Jim credit. Because he did throw down on the ACC. The enemy pers- of my enemy is
1: my friend. He used that Big East elitism <laughs> that he still has up his nose, right? I and mean, they all have it. The Big East teams. It this was, elitism. It
0: made me laugh, though. That was funny. He, he all but called Greensboro. Yeah, he all but called Greensboro a cow town. I mean, that was funny. I don't know why we have this thing here.
1: I'm not a fan of you, but you're not wrong about that, sir. <laughs> yeah, and, you are correct,
0: and you're really turning the knife. You're all in on this shot taken. You know, we could just play this thing in New York City like grown-ups, instead of hearing.
1: <laughs> and then 30 <laughs> seconds later, he does what they all do, which is just stick with it. He goes, now, I'm not denigrating anything Oh, about, yeah, oh. no. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> no, you have to be unwavering. You only burn down the Chamber of Commerce, you know, was, sir. You, you got. I like it. If you do it, you got to stay with it. Don't back up off of it. you got to stay with it. Keep rolling. Further infuriate. Jeff Kerber, Joe 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply so if you're looking at that first game and i said early that I like the Bengals to win and win big. They did in the regular season against the Raiders, 32-13. to uh, And Burrow was just 20 of 29 for 148 yards. Joe Mixon had a big day on the ground, two touchdowns, rushed for 123 yards. Uh, the, the key to the Raiders combating this bold prediction by yours truly is to uh, get pressure on the passer. They did do that. They sacked Burrow three times in the first matchup. And if you have a concern about the Bengals, it begins and ends typically with their offensive line. So fair enough. You would give them an opportunity here because if they can get to Joe, obviously they can offset what they're lacking at the back end of that defense. And that is what will get exposed if he has time. Now, the Bengals – are 30th in the season in terms of pass-blocking win rate. Uh, Max Crosby is 8th in pass-rush win rate. That's a problem. You're going to have to chip. You're going to have to do those sorts of things. So uh, there is a path for the Raiders. But that's true of playoff games in general. There's a path for the Eagles. There's a path for the Patriots. We can do this. There aren't too many games where you or I are going to look at a game and say there's no path. I'll name one. There's no path for the Steelers to beat Kansas City. But every other one of these games, there's a path. It's the card path to the first tee.
1: <laughs> that's the path.
0: <laughs> yeah. They just got to delay their first tee time of the year a little longer. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I would. that really is significant. to Defensive pass rush against a bad offensive line is a significant factor, so there is a real clear path for the Raiders. But I do think the Bengals will chip uh, Crosby, and I think that they'll obviously give Joe enough time to exploit a secondary that is easily exploited. So uh, should be should be a fun game. But I think at the end of the day, I'm taking uh, I'm taking the Bengals to win and cover that line. Feeling good about it, in fact. Winning? Emboldened.
1: Okay, without a teaser. So just don't need you to like the number?
0: nothing. I just like the number. So you're going to play it?
1: Yeah. It's on the card. It's going to okay. be on the card.
0: Yeah, I'm going to play it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to play it. By the way, I did not realize. I Go back to when Derek Carr missed the Raiders' first playoff game since 2002 when he broke his leg in 2016. They had gone 14 years without going to the playoffs at that time? Sweet Jesus.
1: I remember that storyline because neither of us had made it back. They talked about how both the Pirate franchises yeah, never yeah. made it back
0: since the Super Bowl. Uh, I like. I mean, I like that guy. I really do. I've grown to like him. I think he's just a tough hombre. He's just tough. There, there's flaws in his game, but he is tough, and, he, and he's and he got enough skill. He's
1: got a lot to deal with. A lot to deal with in his, uh, I mean, what is it, a five-year career now? Six year at, at most? Uh, there's a lot that's gone on in that career. Six or between, seven. Between, yeah. you know. Philosophy changes, injuries. He was the toast of the town. That offensive line when he first came into the league was the outside of the Cowboys, was the best offensive line in football. Then they're terrible at blocking. And now John Gruden this year, they moved to Vegas. And
0: they and Gruden never loved him. There was always just this sort of role, Antonio Brown
1: issue. I mean,
0: Jesus. Uh, thirty-three twenty-one is what the Bell- Bills did when they went on the road in Foxborough to beat the Patriots, and of course we remember the fourteen to ten loss in which there were forty mile per hour winds in crazy inclement weather, so. A lot of people will look at this game and say, once again, it's a weather game. But if you don't have 40-mile-per-hour winds, it's much more about who the two teams are. Yeah, cold's cold, but they'll live with that. It's the winds that are the problem. When you take away that game, you really couldn't throw a forward pass. So it was fairly absurd. Uh, I think here you'll get a more balanced game, and that favors Buffalo, who obviously kind of undressed New England in that road victory.
1: Yeah, I think what happens in this game is Bill will take away digs because what Belichick does is he takes away your biggest threat, and he always is successful at that. But this will test the theory. At what temperature, wind or not, is the passing game affected? Because the conventional wisdom is once you get inside about 8 to 10 degrees and you get colder than that... Even if it isn't too windy, you're going to affect the integrity of being able to drop back and throw the football. Well, we'll you see. can
0: get some weird results at some point. If it's six degrees, you know, you may see a fumble here or there caused specifically by the cold or something like that. But I still think it plays out like a more traditional football game if you're just dealing with cold. If you're dealing with cold and wind, we got real problems, but the wind isn't supposed to be too bad there. Uh, I was reading something today where a scout unnamed scout, was previewing, profiling that particular matchup. And he said, listen, very quietly, it hasn't been talked about because he's had a good season, and especially since it's his rookie season. But if you go back over the last three weeks, Mac Jones is trending downward. And it's not because he's not going to be a good player, the scout says. It's because, A, I mean, it's his first season as a starter in the NFL. There's more games than he's ever had to play and probably taken more punishment than he's ever had to take. At some point, it wears on you mentally and physically as yeah. a rookie, and also because they're not explosive, teams have kind of figured out to to to, to sit down on the intermediate.
1: Well, yeah, it's a cliche two word term rookie wall, and Damian Harris is also banged up this week too. It's a hamstring issue, I think. They believe he's going to play, but there might be some you know carries that he won't get, and he's been a really good player for them the last month. That's the key for me is how healthy is he and how healthy does he look and does the cold affect that in some way?
0: I thought it was interesting that Buffalo in the rematch, this from the same scout, the Bills use five defensive backs, a league high, 91% of the time of their snaps. But when they played New England in the rematch, 42% of the time. Uh, We don't need them. (laughs) We don't need an extra defense back here. Yeah, prove it. Yeah. Prove it is right. So that's kind of uh, fascinating, I think. Uh, So, you know, we'll see. Josh Allen is a physical freak. We sometimes forget just how big and strong and relatively fast that guy is for his size. I think that's the math problem. That's what they'll utilize here. I'd run him to death in this game. I mean, I I really would. I mean, listen, he was the runner-up MVP in 2020. It's not like he can't play. So... I'd I'd utilize his legs here.
1: Oh, a ton! That, that wasn't the other number we talked about yesterday. I think it was thirty-three or thirty-four and a half rushing yards is the over/under for Josh Allen. One would think if the game plays out as it should in the cold weather, he would be a huge part of it in all facets of the game. And you saw it in the Tampa Bay uh, matchup where it was twenty-four to three at half. They flipped the script, twenty-four to three to tie it to go to overtime. What did a lot of that for Buffalo? Josh Allen running running Josh Allen running the football. And they had all kinds of gadgets ready for that.
0: All right, so I ask you in Tampa, in a game you can hear right here on 933 Real Talk Radio, and of course uh is first up, much to my cohort's chagrin, uh at one o'clock on, F and a. <laughs> on Sunday as you're in the air. Uh but couple questions. Are the Bucks healthy enough to stop the run? Defensively, because they haven't been over the last four to five weeks. If they are, this is a no contest. But they may not be. They legitimately may not be. Because even the guys that they're getting back are coming back hampered and slowly emerging as being able or ready to play, if you will, quote-unquote. I mean, Shaq Baird is still not right. It looks like he's going to play, but they're not real sure how good he'll be. Levante David, if you're reading between the lines with Arians, doesn't sound like a guy that's going to play, even though he is eligible to play. And that's huge because without him, Devin White has looked terrible. He's looked lost. And there is a thought that he's been dealing with something as well. But I actually think what he's dealing with has a lot more to do with overrunning plays and trying to do too much. And that would probably stem from having a lot of superstar players around you out. I mean, all year long, JPP has largely been out. He's physically been out for all three of the last three games. He'll be back, but he hasn't been effective in any way, just north of 30 tackles on the year, two sacks, ain't getting it done. Now he's scheduled to come back. Let's hope he can hold down and set the edge against the run. I don't think he's going to be able to get after the passer. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. But with with Levante David, if he doesn't play or if he's not 100%, and if you have a JPP who still requires surgery on the shoulder and Shaq Barrett is hampered, uh, Nelson, ankle injury, and he's played well since he's been out there. I mean, this just goes on and on and on for Tampa Bay defensively, and if those guys aren't right, yeah, then maybe the Eagles can run the ball, and if they can run the ball, they can shorten the game and they can keep Tom Brady off the field. If that's not the case... The Eagles will get blown out because they don't cover the middle of the field well at all. They don't get after the passer well at all. The Bucs have the best offensive line in football, in particular in the passing game. So if I'm going to make the argument for Tampa, you could lay it out pretty easily right there. If I'm going to make the argument for the Eagles, it's that they have to keep the ball out of Tom's hands and run it, run it, and run it some more. And they may just be able to do it because the Bucs may not be right defensively
1: yeah looking at the injury report and we don't have one for today yet that's going to be released i don't know anytime the bucks are inconsistent with that uh day to day uh but you're looking at philadelphia's list and it's a long list for philadelphia it's probably 10 12 people long most of them are limited participation or full participation in tampa it's mostly limited limited out did not participate Mm -hmm. uh the bucks are just flatly more banged up and not on that list for the buccaneers this week is levante david or shaq barrett or leonard fournette because they were coming off of ir designated to return within 21 days so they could all in theory sit out this weekend it sounds like fournette's gonna go and and barrett's gonna go for me what's interesting is all right you get shaq barrett back let's just say he plays jpp is definitely going to get anthony Nelson back. How much do you really want to pin your ears back and go after the passer against Jalen Hurts? Or would you rather keep contain and let him right, throw the ball? Right. Well, but that goes against the nature of what the Bucks do, which is they love to bring five and six all the damn time. And you might create running lanes for Jalen Hurts yeah. if you're not careful. So that's the game within the game for me is how Todd Bowles deploys the front seven. How often does he allow for the problems in the defensive backfield and or the second level with running lanes if he's able to get around the first player? Are there broken plays where he goes for 15 or 20 yards? Or do you stay conservative, which I think should be the game plan, and make them prove that they can run the ball on you 10 to 12 times or 10 times out of a 12-play drive, something along those lines? If they can do that, well, then they might very well win the football game, but they have to do it to even have a chance to win the football game.
0: What's frustrating is that these things, and not to disregard your point because I think it's accurate, but these things seem to be self-evident for the Bucks, and yet time and again they get out leveraged and flanked, and it's frustrating. That's specifically due to injury. I mean, those guys are not – they have not been able to win those matchups, and – uh, you know, if they if they can't again, the Eagles have committed basically in the first game against Tampa to what they became, which is a team that wants to run the hell out of the ball. They don't want to put pressure on Jalen Hurts to try to win it. They're not explosive. They can beat you up, and then they're going to keep it in front of them on defense. So, you know what you're getting. Todd Bowles surely will dial back the pressures in this situation. Let Jalen Hurts have to throw the ball from the pocket consistently. Good luck.
1: There are times when it feels like we have a game in control, and you just see like six and seven. And I'm like,
0: Todd. Todd, baby. But that's
1: he and Bruce. They they want to mm-hmm. keep swinging and throwing mm-hmm. haymakers. And it's,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: Clubber Lang and Rocky Three. Easy. You could have <laughs> retained the title. Just stop throwing punches. It's
0: Jeff Cabot Show, 93 3, Real Talk Radio, War It, TV. <laughs> Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War chat TV. We're, we're efforting with the lighting. I don't know what the hell happened here.
1: It looked the same to me as yesterday.
0: No, I, the people are right on the chat here. I was whitewashed, whatever. I don't know what happened.
1: Oh, well, not, not the picture on the, on the actual video, but I'm just saying looking into your studio from my studio looked mm-hmm. about the same as it did yesterday. But yeah.
0: yeah, I don't know if the camera has a problem or whatever. Thanks, guys. I, I appreciate your concern. I know you want to see me as I'm traditionally presented.
1: That's right. No whitewashing this man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Do you have any type of plan for long-term care for you or your loved ones? Well, do you? Think about these things. Three main questions that uh, our friends at Preservation Financial Group like to ask when discussing long-term care. First question, if you were sick tomorrow and were to need long-term care... Where do you want to receive your care? Most people would say at home, right? Second question, which asset will you liquidate first to pay for said care? Most people would say, I got an IRA, a little bit of a nest egg perhaps. Third question is, if there was a better way to use the IRA or nest egg to pay for the long-term care, is this something you should take a look at? Pick up the phone today and call or text Pete Tyson, 850-523-6118, 523-6118. Ask Pete. He'll give you a free book that he co-authored. Knows a little something, something. He co-wrote the book, "Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care." There is no cost or obligation. Call Pete Tyson today, five two three six one one eight. There you go, Jeff. You went from sultry talk by the fire to too damn bright. I know.
1: I know. Well, uh, do you want the bright background and you can see his beautiful mug? No. Or, or do you want I'm the dark half, background uh, and he's, and he's like you know, obs- I feel blotchy? Like,
0: I feel like Corey Clark obsessing about the way I look in camera here because people have brought it up. It's, it's ridiculous. I, um. Yeah,
1: Life Spectator with the spray tan. He should go to Dabo's guy. There's nobody <laughs> better than Dabo. He clearly uses what the, uh, the senators use in Washington.
0: You know what's funny about that is that I never noticed it. And then you just said it right now and, uh, I want, I, it occurs to me you're one hundred percent correct. I just never really noticed. Oh uh, well, it. it's, it's the Omni Tan. He's always
1: it's because of the ACC kickoff. That's when he gets the spray tan done. It's just before ACC kickoff, and he's in rare form at that point. But uh, yeah, it looks like going to a wedding like a northern wedding, and all your family went to go get spray tans or whatever, you're like, oh, man, I can I can smell the oil in here. It's
0: gross. Did you see, and Tom pelissaro documented it yesterday amongst others, but what a kiss my ass on main Street moment that occurred in the NFL yesterday. David Culley got fired, and we didn't get the chance to bring it up. They owe him another $17 million over the next three years, so he will walk away as of yesterday, with $22 million for coaching as a head coach with the Texans one year. Buddy, for the amount of hours that football coaches have to put in, right, to rise through the ranks, we talk about this all the time, these guys, there are stretches of time where they're working 19, 20-hour days every day, all day Monday through Sunday. I mean, it just doesn't stop. The recruiting cycle these days, above and beyond recruiting an actual player from high school, you've got the transfer portal, you're re recruiting your own roster, and then never mind game planning and everything else that goes on, right? Now, Crimea River, you say. Guys making five, six, seven, some cases eleven million dollars a year. Gotta buck up, soldier. People don't throw around millions of dollars a year so that you can chill at the house on the couch. Got it. But you, in essence, have no life, no life whatsoever as a football coach, uh, and, and, the, and the spaces in which you do are very limited anymore. And I remember talking to a coach about this, and he was saying that he loves the game. He was a really good player here at Florida State, this coach. And he has been in the coaching business ever since he left being a player. And he said, my whole life has been the game of football. I've got an undying passion for it. But there are times where I seriously doubt I can be in this sport much longer because I have a wife and I have kids and I'd like to see them. I'm going to wake up one day and my children are going to be going to college and I will have never known them. And yeah. that's a toughie. That's an interesting
1: decision to have kids in that circumstance, too. You it's know, really like, really difficult. That's, and and I'm, I don't mean that to disrespect. I'm saying you've got to really talk out what your plan is. Correct. And that's why football or coaches' wives are a special, amazing group of people. It's like uh, the the wife of an army, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. lieutenant yeah. or whatever, somebody who gets moved around and, and you have the brats underneath. But you have to understand that this household is going to be run Cleaned, organized, fed, and and everything. All the infrastructure is mom. All of it is all on mom. That's a, that's such a, a an odd, but I mean, really, in its own way, cool relationship.
0: No, I think it's a terrible relationship. I don't know how anybody does it. I think it's it's. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, there are people that, that you know can't do it or that it's impossible. But I don't know how they do it. I don't think that's any way to you be. You think it's terrible? I think it's terrible. Uh, I, I, well. I I would never do that. Uh, but, but, but maybe the, but I'm, maybe not the what, I'm not telling somebody else what to do. I'm just telling you I would never do that. The wife in that equation might be like, good, get out of my hair. Well, that, then you that shouldn't type. be married. Because, I mean, it, okay. l- l- think Pastor about, Cameron. No, I'm just telling you, think about it. You're married. You're happily married. You like spending time with your wife. It's as simple as that.
1: I understand that, but people are wired differently. I'm, I, not,
0: I'm not telling people what to do. I said I would never do it. I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible. I'm not telling you that they're terrible people. I'm saying that. Why would you? What's the point? What? To your point, you just alluded to it. If you have kids and you're never home to see them and raise them, that would suck. In my opinion, that would suck. It's a sacrifice people do it. They find a way. They're not bad people. I would find that to be abhorrent. I would hate it. I if I'm not I'm not obsessed with being around my family, I get out and about, you know that. I think you have to find a life balance, very difficult. We work unique hours hell i'm doing a golf show till 11 o'clock at night on a wednesday i mean i did a weird thing that's happening huh well it's happened i mean and, you know i've had to do oh, that already no i'm saying that show's not from 10 to 11 but i'll the show is 9 to 10 right we right. have post-show meetings and then uh, oftentimes we'll end up talking about we'll talk shop and then you come down you know how it is when you're wired and then you drive home and oh, you're, there's
1: no way to go to bed after right you know, show there's so no
0: I, I i get it everybody's got what they got to do i'm just saying when i think about Listen, there's a high rate of divorce amongst football coaches. It's not shocking. It's not shocking. How would there not be? You're never freaking home. You're never home. At some point, the marriage is going to suffer. One would think, again, somehow people find a way. But, man, that ain't good. You would have been
1: a great marriage counselor in a different life. (laughs) if the dominoes fell through.
0: Well, what do you think? You're never home, you're Jim. You're never home, Jim. Yes, she's lonely. What do you think's going to happen? You haven't been home in 10 days. And that's like just a stretch. Then you're home for a day, and then she didn't see you again for six days. I mean, come on, All Jim. Oh, because you think you're going to land Julio Jones. He's going to Alabama, <laughs> Jim. Come home. Go home to your wife. Yeah, so long story short, anyhow, I, I want to circle back here. That because those sacrifices have to be made for somebody to make it in the college football, pro football world, right? The be- and This is where I came up with Kiss My Ass on Main Street all those years ago. That the best thing about kicking down that door and making it after being a freaking GA, which would suck to no end, and then being a low-level assistant when you're finally hired and you're making pennies... And you're working twenty hours a day, and then even still, when you finally climb the ladder, and then maybe you're to a place where you're—I mean, not quite a coordinator, but you're—you know—you're getting there. You you're doing this. Obviously, you love the sport. You're you're passionate about the sport, and you love being around the kids. You love being around the guys. If it's professional football, you love the camaraderie. There is something to be gained there. It is special. I, I've coached. It, junior football, but I I played. I love the game. I love the guys. The only thing you miss when you leave football is the locker room. You miss those relationships, the shared experiences, the work and all that. (laughs) Preston, I'll read it in a second. Um, If you can get to a place where eventually you have the opportunity to become a head coach. And you sign a multi-year deal, and they end up saying, all right, here's the deal. It's $20 million over so many years. And obviously, these days, agents everywhere have figured out the deal. They've got these universities, and in some cases, professional franchises, been over a barrel, and they somehow get them to acquiesce to what I think are absurd terms, absurd, that lean really far one way towards the coach and the agent. Fire me, fire me after one year, please. End this never-ending cycle of lonely, and give me thirty million dollars to go sit on a beach with the family I've ignored for twenty years. How about that? But again,
1: it's a non-starter. You're not going to get to that level unless you are consumed by either the pursuit of championships or saving, you know, eighteen-year-olds that need direction. Well, you don't yeah, get to that place a as a normal, adjusted human right. being.
0: You don't get there. Mm. The only thing I would say is I think the money's so great now, we've seen with a little bit more regularity that some guys do get fired and they're 46 and they never, they never comb the sidelines again, buddy. And that's the kiss my ass on Main Street moment. How glorious it would be to be told to walk in, and especially the Texans. I mean, good God, you got nothing to work with right now. You're, you're not going to have a quarterback no. anytime soon. This is a nightmare.
1: That's a crazy firing. They said because of offensive philosophical differences just, they fired him. Yeah, yeah, no, That's not right. That team was more competitive this year than it had any right
0: to be. David Coley's going to get $22 million. Good for you, David Coley. Call it a day. Run for the hills. He's like
1: 70-something anyway.
0: Well, I know. But go live out the remaining five to six years you have left, David. <laughs> he's going to say he's about to call it a day for real. <laughs> yes, but with $22 million, it could be a fun five to six. I mean, you could fly all over the world. Don't save anything for later. Your kids are probably in their 60s or their early 50s. Go take it down the road, David. Isn't
1: that a negotiating tactic if you've got an older coach? Like, you're 68. What do you need this money for anyway? You know, we're offering you $2 million. That's a lot. You're
0: 68 years because old. Because I'm going to go on a bender to end all benders when they tell me I have early onset Alzheimer's. I'm taking it to Mexico, and you'll never hear from me again until you find me in that hotel room with the 20-some-odd million dollars and the five weeks of crazy times that I had preceding the moment well, you find me.
1: That supersedes anything the Brewster's Millions did.
0: Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a fun topic. Hour two fourth Covey. Stay with